When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriot Speed is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome back to another live edition Patriot Speed podcast presented by the CLNS Media Network. Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, joined as always by Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. And so much for a quiet little month off here as the Patriots dismiss from OTAs because Jack Jones arrested Friday night at Logan Airport with two loaded guns and extra magazines in his carry-on bag going through airport security. He was down at the courthouse today with his lawyer, and they seem like they have a case here. They're fighting, but not a good last few days from Jack Jones. Yeah, obviously, and we'll see ultimately how this plays out. On the surface, it looked like he made a really – I mean, he did make a really dumb mistake bringing two guns into an airport. You can't do that. <laughs> obviously it sounds like they're kind of setting it up that the guns weren't his. He didn't know they were in the bag. I'd still call it not a great decision to be around people who will put guns in your suitcase without telling you right before you leave for a trip. But um, the, the lawyer who's, whose name I'm forgetting. It's like Rosemary. Uh, Rosemary something. Well, I yeah. want to get her name right because she is an important part of this story. Um, she, uh, Rosa Scapiccio, I think Rose Scapiccio. So she's from here. She's from Brighton. She grew up in Brighton. She, she went to Suffolk for undergrad. She went to Suffolk for, uh, her, her law degree for, for law school. And she has done some very high profile work. There's a Netflix documentary about one of her cases. I believe it's called trial Four. I am actually going to watch that tonight. I'm I'm kind of curious about this, but this is kind of what she does. And I, you know, talking to people in the legal community, they said if if he's going to beat this, this is the person that's going to do it. So I certainly think that's notable. It does kind of feel like they're setting it up for, hey, it wasn't his gun, and you know, try to get it plead down or something like that. The one thing I do understand, I'm, I don't want to get too much into the legal stuff of it because we're just going to be up here guessing, and we could have a lawyer on, but. Although lawyers know a lot, they're also very boring. So I don't really feel like doing that to you guys, the, the viewers and the listeners. And my family's mostly lawyers, so I can say that. Um, some of the charges against him come with mandatory minimums. So what that means is if he's found guilty, like when the judge sets the sentence, it has to be at least that many years. He can't get off without jail time. And I believe the magazine, if I read it right, the magazine charge, which is the big one, carries a two and a half year mandatory minimum and some of them carry one years as well. So I've seen the number of like 30 years in jail thrown out there. That would be if he mm-hmm. went to trial, carried it all the way through, was found guilty of everything. everything that yeah. is the <laughs> maximum jail time he could be sentenced to. It never works like that. It, that's never what ends up happening, especially not with a lawyer like this. Something is going to get plead down or certain charges will get thrown out for other charges, something like that. He's not going to do 30 years. 
there is a real chance he could do some time. And that is kind of what this is going to come down to from a life point of view for Jack Jones. And let's separate this too, because it's important. There are real world life implications for, for him, for, for a young man who has from all accounts done a lot to turn his life around since he got into some trouble when he was in college early on. There are life implications for him and there are football implications for him. In some ways, those over those um, overlap. In some ways, they don't. But it sounds like he is the best possible lawyer uh, to, to help get him out. And now we kind of see what happens. Now, where we can bring the football part of it in is because court dates take a long time. Like the court system's all backed up and whatever. Yeah. He's next due in court. His one of the preliminary hearings, it's not like the actual court date, like, you know, they're going to decide innocent, guilty jury, all that. It's like an initial one is August 18th. That's the day before the Patriots second preseason game. So they don't necessarily have the luxury of, all right, we're going to see what the court rules and then we'll decide if we keep him or not. Well, at that mm-hmm. point, you're probably going to be partway into the season, if not done with the season. So they're going to have to do I guess they don't have to do something. They can just kind of keep them. But uh, something's going to happen here, I think, in these next 68 weeks, maybe if not before training camp into training camp. I almost feel like he's on the same timeline as DeAndre Hopkins, just as a coincidence. But the league will look at it, and there was a statement from the league today that they're monitoring it. That'll be the first thing. Does he get suspended? Does he get put on the commissioner exempt list? If that happens, then it kind of helps the Patriots because he doesn't count against the roster. They can sort of just keep him buried and wait to decide if he doesn't get suspended. Well, then is he on the 53 man roster or not? Are you bringing him to camp or not? Are you keeping him a part of your team or not? Jeff Howe had the report this morning that they were very unhappy with him for what happened. Obviously this team has a history that they have to be aware of. Not that this individual uh, transgression rises to the level of what Aaron Hernandez did, but the idea is this is essentially two strikes around uh, 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 for this guy now. You had the one with the Panda Express when he was in college, and for now it looks like a second, and maybe that gets overturned, but <clears throat> they kind of have to look at where the facts are as they are. And I know it's innocent until proven guilty. I get that, but they're not going to have a innocent or guilty plea before they have to make a decision on him. So they kind of have to do their own work on this. So that, to me, it feels like where he's at. I still think a lot of it is unknown, but uh, for now, it it seems like he's doing the best he can to handle the legal side of it, and the football side will come when it comes. It will, like, because you said they don't have to do anything, but then he's going to be out there. We're going to, like, media's going to be there talking to him, which could be something they want to avoid. I found it interesting the lawyer was talking today and said social media stuff the thug almost got him fired right and then she went into detail saying like i have it we're grateful to the patriots organization and the leader of the patriots that they didn't believe into that so that almost made it sound like they were gonna release him and then they talked to the lawyer or whatever heard their story heard their plan and and now they're they're not from the moment yeah, and and there was the other interesting things she said, and it, it's along the line of long lines of that. She mentioned, and and I'm trying to remember what the exact words are. I don't know. Do I have the quote here in front of me? I do. Um, 
she so she, so she mentioned he's being portrayed as a, a thug and a gang member and all of that, which he shouldn't he shouldn't be at this point. And I agree with that. He absolutely shouldn't be. Uh, but she said this is the exact quote that label thug uh, gang member, that label that was attached to him through social media almost got him fired and it was completely unfounded. And then she says later. We're grateful to the Patriots organization and to the leaders of the Patriots that they didn't believe and feed into what was happening on social media where people were saying he was trying to get the guns past security, which I don't think anybody ever believed he was trying to like get the anyway. <laughs> it's 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 interesting that she put it like that. It almost got him fired. So it sounds like at some point a conversation about cutting him in the last two days, three days, like since it happened, right? It sounds like there was a conversation about cutting him maybe based on public perception, maybe based on the court of public opinion, whether that's right or wrong, it does sound like that happened. And they ultimately decided not to cut him, at least not yet. Then you get the Howe report this morning that he doesn't see him being with the team for long. So who knows what's going on there? But it does sort of sound like there was at least a conversation about cutting him in the aftermath of this. So now they have to weigh this, like, is it worth it? Is he worth it as a player to deal with this? Because, like you said, he's had all these issues before. If they're claiming someone put the guns in his bag, he's obviously hanging with a bad crowd of people. Or if he didn't know they were there, then he's misplacing his unregistered firearms, which also isn't a good thing. So, right. I mean, he's he well, had so a solid rookie year. He's got promise, but is this worth it now? Cause he's going, cause he obviously has these off field issues. One thing again, I, I think if I read this correctly, there's a ton of legal jargon in here and I'm trying to get as much of it translated as I can as possible <laughs> for me, but it's, there was something in there that he didn't own the guns that he doesn't own any guns in Massachusetts. So okay. if that's the case, like, I mean, they could be his unregistered guns. I don't know why you'd kind of throw that out in front of the court. That Oh, no, like they were always unregistered. But maybe that's the way he can prove they weren't his, if that helps. You know, the police report said he handed the cop or the TSA agent, whoever it was, he handed the security personnel his duffel bag that had his name on it, that had the guns in it. And they have that on video. So it what you can't mince words over whether or not it was his bag were they his guns that it, essentially this isn't new or specific or anything yeah. like that the team has to figure out if they were his guns or not they've got to do their own investigation they've got to figure that out and decide if they're comfortable with keeping them and we, we i mean we can't sit here and say you know i can i we can certainly sit here and speculate yeah i'd keep him because this or i wouldn't keep him because that that's not really fair to him because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I don't really think that does anything for anybody other than feed into what his lawyer was talking about, about the narrative. But it does mean something to the Patriots and they actually have the ability to get that information or they should. I would imagine if Jack Jones doesn't help them in that investigation, he'll get cut. So that to me is kind of where it's probably at behind the scenes is Patriots are pissed. Obviously, this is a horrible look. And they're going to get to the bottom of it and figure out, hey, was this all a horrible misunderstanding? And they still might not feel great about that. They still might say, hey, you're hanging around guys that are putting guns in your suitcase without telling you. Like, that in itself isn't great judgment. Or they may say, wow, this kid really got screwed over. And we 
you know, the, the facts as they were presented initially were not nearly uh, or were much worse than what actually happened. And we're going to keep them. I just knowing the Patriots, I would kind of think it might be the former, whether that's right or wrong. But we'll see. And again, the, the one thing that could happen is if he gets suspended, I think it extends their uh, window. Because once he gets suspended, they don't have to worry about him being taking up a roster spot, and it gives them some more time to figure it out. There's been some stuff re- recent years around the league, right? Like, wasn't it Quinn and Williams? And I think it was Frank Clark maybe last year. He got two games, a little different charges, but I think Quinn and Williams just took a, like a plea deal and he didn't get anything. It was just a small fine. But they're going to see here, but it could take time again. Like, this is – Alvin Kamara, we're just naming all the names now, but Alvin Kamara, didn't he play all last year? Like, he's still waiting on his court date for something? Yeah, I mean, they're all different yeah. cases, though. That's the thing. It's, it's really – so, the Kamara one's interesting. You know, some of the other stuff, It there was gray area. Mm-hmm. There was, I think, a lot more gray area in whether or not the guy did it versus – literally handing the on video handing the cop the bag with the guns in them like that's the bird i not the bird because the burden of proof is what it always is that's a legal term the burden of proof is it's on the state it's on the prosecution to prove without beyond a reasonable doubt right that he's guilty but it's the optics are just a little different the optics are just a little different with this one that could maybe change things and again as with a lot of this Maybe that's not fair, you know, right or wrong, but I do think that is ultimately going to be the case. Uh, I would like, I do want to remind everybody that this show is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com backslash Boston to join today. Baseball is a fun one to bet on because there's games every single day, right? You can kind of, you can really follow this, those trends. There's not a lot of time for teams to eat up. There's not a lot of time for teams to cool down. Um, and you can really start to play not just the, the spread, but the odds on it. Uh, I, I think more so than any other sport, baseball's odds lend itself to, to having some fun there. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com backslash Boston to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission, 21-plus in present Massachusetts. First online real money wager only, $10 deposit required, refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com backslash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. So let's just say he can't play. For whatever reason, he's not on the week one roster. Because we just left the spring practices and it was all defensive versatility in the secondary we were on the same page saying their best three cornerback duo is Christian Gonzalez and Jack Jones on the boundaries with Jonathan Jones in the slot or back safety, whatever. So if they don't have him, they still have Christian Gonzalez, but where are you going in the secondary to replace him? 
So they have a couple options here. I don't love any of them. You know, they're fine. The, the one is you essentially go back to where you were last year with Christian Gonzalez, essentially replacing Jack Jones, where it's Jonathan Jones and Christian Gonzalez as your boundary corners, Marcus Jones or Miles Bryant in the slot. Kyle Duggar becomes probably your full-time deep safety. Maybe he splits a bit with Jabril Peppers with Adrian Phillips in the box. That's one option. The other option is Jalen Mills moves back to corner full-time. You go Gonzalez and Mills, Jonathan Jones either in the slot or at deep safety. Um, if Jonathan Jones is in the slot, then you have Kyle Duggar at deep safety, Phillips in the box. If Jonathan Jones is at deep safety, you have Marcus Jones in the slot with, uh, and then you, you keep Kyle Duggar in the box. And I, I've kind of said my piece on this. I want Jonathan Jones at safety. I like that. And then there's the, and I'll, I'll have something up on this tomorrow morning on 98.5thesportsup.com. There's the external option. You go and you sign somebody. Now, the names out there aren't great. Marcus Peters mm -hmm. is still no. technically a free agent. I know there was something over the weekend that he might sign with the Raiders. No deal's been done. Maybe you jump in, offer a little more money. But if you start, you know, getting a bidding war, does the Hopkins money fly out the window? Something like that. Uh, there's some other names. Uh, Fabian Moreau, who played for the Giants last year, is a guy who I think fits their prototype. If if they were going to go external, the guy I bet on, the guy I could see them signing the most is Terrence Mitchell. Remember him? Yeah. He, was, mm -hmm. he was with the team in camp last year. He was on the practice squad for a little bit. Got signed by the Titans. He actually didn't have a bad camp last he, year. It's just kind of a numbers thing that he got left he off. He opened uh, like as the starting cornerback, right? Yeah, remember he was like the first player on the field yeah. every day for like the first like nine or ten mm -hmm. days, and then Mac finally beat him. <laughs> I could see them like that's the kind of thing they would do. Maybe you bring him back. He and I don't know that he's going to be your full time second boundary corner, but he rotates in and allows you to have both Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills play elsewhere. Opens that up a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, those are all options they can do, though. They still think they have a good secondary, but it's not that Jack Jones is their best player. But if there's one fault with this Patriots secondary, even before this, it was lack of depth at boundary corner. After Jack Jones, it fell off. It was either moving Jalen Mills from safety, moving Jonathan Jones back out there, or going to Sean Wade. Those were kind of the next three up, depending on how you wanted to do it. And now that's really tested. So... I still think they can be good, but Jack Jones was the the key that unlocked the potential and I think put them in that conversation of one of the best secondaries in football. And now you got to kind of figure out how to wiggle around that and, and maybe get some of those snaps back. Because it felt like when they drafted Gonzalez, it almost felt like they were able to upgrade two positions back there because he was he takes Jonathan Jones's place as your premier guy. And then Jonathan Jones can fall back to a slot role or that second move corner or a safety. And, and that's an upgrade over a guy like Miles Bryant or even Marcus Jones. It's an upgrade. But now you're going back, you'll probably see more Miles Bryant and Jalen Mills is a good option. We'll see Amir Speed, Isaiah Bolden. I'd still be shocked if they had a cornerback role, but potentially a roster spot for one of those guys to have a strong camp and work their way up. Well, that's another guy. You know, I said Sean Wade before. I was just kind of going off last year's depth chart. If one of them lands on the team on special teams, becomes that emergency boundary corner that Wade was supposed to be. But again, that's kind of what you're getting down to here. They Christian Gonzalez and 
a combination of Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills is, is enough on paper, but you lose one of those guys. Now you're in big trouble. No. Now you're in big trouble on the boundary. So I, I think they add somebody. I think they do. And, and, and I think it's Terrence Mitchell. I think that would make a lot of sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So anything else on Jack Jones before we talk about some other players they could potentially add in free agency here? Um, I think that's pretty much it. I see we have in the graphic nine charges. I think it's 10 because it was five charges for each gun, two guns. Yeah. But I, so. I just, I see like, I, I, I hate, you, you can tell I'm hedging everything. I say, I don't want to screw things up with the legal stuff. I'm, it's, I'm bad with it. <laughs> you don't want to screw with that. It's this so specific we, and annoying. This is why our jobs are talking football. We don't, right. we don't know that stuff. <laughs> I always go back to, um, you know, the clip from the Simpsons uh, with uh, Lionel Hutz where he's like, oh, that's great. You want to be a lawyer. Could you imagine a world without lawyers and it's all these people holding hands and singing under a <laughs> rainbow? Yeah. So, and again, I say that most of my family's lawyers. I can say that. All right. All right. Um, so free agency, they still have a roster spot. Maybe that goes to a corner or maybe it goes to DeAndre Hopkins. We haven't been on here since he left Thursday without a contract. So seems like they didn't give him the offer he wants. And now he's going to play that waiting game see maybe someone gets hurt into training camp or he gets a better offer or team can find a little more money someone like kansas city they got to rework chris jones give him an extension so maybe they lower that cap and find some money but yeah he left and now we're just back waiting for him yeah and i i gotta say the longer it goes on uh the worse i kind of feel about it yeah just because I, I, and this is kind of me trying to read between the lines and read the tea leaves here. I'm guessing he has uh, an offer on the table from the Patriots that he likes, that he would play under, right? Like, oh yeah, okay, I would play under this contract. But if he can get the same contract from a contender or the same contract from a, a team in a state that doesn't have income tax, he would do that. So he has this offer and he's ready that if some contending team loses their receiver, you know, early in training camp, he goes to that team, takes the Patriots offer and says, if you can match this, I'll sign. I think the Patriots met his number that he would play for. I don't think they met his number to sign on the spot. And look, maybe we get a couple weeks in a training camp and nobody gets hurt, which would be great for all of the reasons. And he goes back to Patriots and says, all right, let's do this. Right. The spot's not opening up. He's not getting this other offer. He thinks he's going to get. And he's going with it. But what are the chances of that happening? Right. So the longer this goes on, the less confident I feel about it. I don't think they're out. I just think they've left the door open and you never want to do that. Cause there also might be a team that's sitting there that all of a sudden decides, hey, you know, we weren't in on this, but maybe we should be. It's maybe always they a really, <laughs> maybe they liked what they saw at spring practices and said, Man, if we can add this guy, like we didn't think we were this close. Maybe we are, maybe we add this guy. The one, and I think we talked about this on the last show. I, I, I know I talked about it on Catch 22. The one team I don't get why they're not all over this is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. They have comparable cap space to the Patriots. They're trying to capitalize on Trevor Lawrence's rookie deal. They have a good team. Like, I like their wide receivers. They have good pass catchers. I'm going to pull them up here, but Calvary. it's not at the right. There would be, there would certainly be a role 
excuse me, for DeAndre Hopkins. So they're wide receivers, and I'll, I'll go with the big names. I'm going to skip the uh, the guys without Wikipedia pages, right? Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Parker Washington. But, you know, Zay, Zay Jones and, and Christian Kirk, they're good. They're not great. Calvin Ridley didn't play. He's hasn't played in a year, so you don't know what he's going to be. You have guys who've gotten hurt. I think Hopkins makes all the sense in the world for that team. Also, I'm pretty sure Evan Ingram's still holding out. So, they you, tagged or him, hasn't signed the franchise tag yeah. or whatever it is. There's something there, but he's a guy that is he going to be back and all that. Maybe it gives them some more flexibility negotiating with him. So. I don't know why the Jaguars aren't all over this, if we're being honest. And and the Patriots have left the door for a team like that to come in and, and negotiate. Yeah. Uh, Ingram's still holding out, I believe. He wasn't at OTAs, it looks like. So that could be an option. I thought we were going to get the news when Judon, or when he posted that picture with Judon, but then he left. And yeah, once he, like we said all week before, don't let him leave the building. So. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. They probably gave him a contract he's comfortable with that he would play. But if one of those teams like Kansas City could free up a little money and do the same thing, then that would probably be his preference at this point to go to that go to that contender. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I thought I thought we were going to get it. Uh, a picture. It was. The- yeah, some of that. I thought we were going to get it after the Jack Jones thing. Oh yeah, a little cover up. Duh, right, but. <laughs> Um, no, still wait. And, and at this point, like he's going to wait till camp. Yeah. I, I think we're just getting started with this thing. I really do. He didn't have any other visits. Right? So they said he was going to do other visits, but there was, they nothing. said they were going to be more visits, but I think that was a negotiating yeah. Yeah. tactic more than anything else. So no, this is yeah. where he's at. So that could, that could drag on throughout July, but another free agent I want to run by you was Dalvin cook who said yesterday or today on Adam Schefter's podcast that he loved to play with Hopkins. And the Patriots, they cut James Robinson. They're relying on Ty Montgomery to the the rookie backs from last year, Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong. So is Dalvin Cook someone you could see maybe factor into that equation? And do you have interest in him, I'd say? Look, if he's going to sign for the minimum, sure. You can never have enough good players on your team, but he's going to want to get paid. And if you're handing out a contract like that, it should be to Hopkins yeah. should be to receiver. It shouldn't be to a running back. That's just the reality of it. I, I think their running back depth is pretty good. We talked about this, Brian on a recent show. I just want to see them add like a guy that can eat all the carries in the preseason and you can stash on the practice squad. And if the numbers get thin, you can call up and he's been in the offensive practice. I, I think Ramondre Stevenson, Ty Montgomery, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris is a solid group. I, I do think it is. You're not, it's not really a thing. Are you going to be able to have Stevenson and Cook on the field a lot at the same time, especially in O'Brien's offense? So I don't know. Even though Dalvin Cook's a really good player, how much better does he make them? Because how much better is he? Is he better than Ramondre Stevenson? What is truly the gap between the two? You can't put field at the same time. So the reality is you're keeping Ramondre Stevenson fresh, but I still think you can do that with Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, and Ty Montgomery. And if the usage is what it was last year, and, and maybe they'd split it more evenly if it's Cook, but if the usage is what, what it was last year, you're talking about like 10 snaps a game. 
that you're taking Ramondre Stevenson off the field. And some of them are in very low impact situations. So yeah, I, I maybe if Hopkins signs and you really feel you need a weapon, you're not doing anything else with the money. I guess you can give it a cook. Although again, at this point, I'd rather give it to a corner, but if he wants to sign for the minimum, I'm not going to say no, he's a good football player, but it's just, I don't think, does he really make them that much better of a team? I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how he makes them so monumentally better the way that they manage their offense. Yeah. You would feel like maybe they'd add like a premier pass catching back more. Right. But um, I think he said like he wouldn't play for anything less than $5 million. Yeah. So I just give that money to DeAndre Hopkins at that point. DeAndre Hopkins makes you so much better than Dalvin Cook makes you. And somebody just said it in the chat. This is is pretty much what I'm trying to say. It looks good on paper. You're adding another star player, but it's not a position where both guys are going to play. It's not a big difference when you get down to it on a play-to-play basis. And at that point, you're just throwing money away. So, no, I'm out on Cook. I'm good on Cook. That's fine. What about Zeke? Are you on the Zeke train? (laughs) I, I do want Zeke, but here's the difference. I think Zeke, I or I've characterized how I want Zeke. I basically said the same thing about Davin Cook. I want Zeke. I'm not giving Zeke real money, but if Zeke's willing to sign for a million, million and a half, and be the second back, I think he. If everybody's taking that, you know, I think he's the best option because he gives you something you don't have. He's like a true bowling ball back. I know people think of Kevin Harris in that role. He's more of a power runner than an elusive runner. But he's not Zeke. Zeke's a bowling ball, plain and simple. I think his veteran presence, people underrate what a smart football player Ezekiel Elliott is. His veteran presence in that room with a lot of young backs. I think we forget how young Ramondre Stevenson is still, even him. I think that would be invaluable. And one thing Zeke, Dalvin Cook's a better player at this point, but one thing Zeke is definitely better at, which I think they would care a lot at and look very closely at, is Zeke is an incredible pass blocker, which is the one thing we don't know that they have. Kevin Harris can catch the ball. Is he going to beat, like, where is he going to be as a blocker? Where's Pierre Strong going to be as a blocker? Even Ty Montgomery, who has spent time as a running back, but doesn't get asked to block a lot. We know Ramondre is a good blocker, but this is kind of, if he's off the field, Zeke can block. So if it's Zeke for a million and a half versus Dalvin Cook for five. Zeke. Give me Zeke Elliott all day, all day in that scenario. So I would take, but if Zeke wants five, if Zeke also wants five, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to pay running back $5 million right now. I like their group. It's just about getting a guy to round out their rotation. That's it. You don't need to spend big money on that. You don't need to go get a guy that's going to demand the ball on that. Just go get a guy who can put on the field 10 to 12 times a game, pound the rock. And again, if he can pass block and he's a good veteran voice in the room, all the better. He's such a good pass blocker. They played him at center last year. I somebody just <laughs> somebody just said, and we can use him as a center if Andrews isn't available. <laughs> I forgot about that. The Cowboys last two seasons have ended on the most BS schoolyard plays. Do you remember when it was two years ago? Was it the uh, spike against the Niners? Was or the, the well, they ran scramble? a quarterback. Yeah, sneak. Yeah. They ran a quarterback sneak with like eight minutes to go <laughs> or eight seconds to go with no timeouts. They were never going to get to the line to spike that ball. Never. And then last year, it was the Fakakta whatever with with, uh, Zeke at center. (laughs) Cowboys are a joke. 
the Cowboys last play of the season. I cannot wait for whatever the Cowboys last play of the season is. Cause I know this, it will be outstanding. Mm. That game two years ago was some of the worst play calling I've ever seen in a playoff game. Cause remember the Niners, even though they won, they kept doing that weird thing where they were putting Trent Williams in motion yeah. and using him as a fullback and like motioning him away from the play. So they took their all pro left tackle off that side of the field and then ran it behind his replacement and they kept doing it. And it never worked. It was a ridiculous game. It was a, that game still makes me angry if you can't tell. <laughs> and now Mike McCarthy has the headset. Isn't he calling plays for them this year? Yeah, so that, yeah, that'll go so that great. Be good in Dallas, we see the oh, week four or five. Mm, it, maybe later. Tra- it's Saints. It's Saints and Cowboys. Weeks four and five. I can't remember which is which, but those are those. So are we'll, those Patriots two. will get the Mike McCarthy experience. I can't so, wait. I cannot <laughs> wait. All right, should we do some Q and A in the chat? Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do that. Let's see what do we got here. Um. Do we still think the Patriots defense will be elite without Jack Jones? We kind of talked about this at the beginning. I I think they can be. I think it's a lot harder now. In particular, just there's less margin for error of guys getting hurt. That's the biggest thing. The depth really takes it. Assuming, again, assuming Jack Jones doesn't play, we'll see what ends up happening. I, you know, we, I feel like he's, we didn't really touch on this. Does he get suspended? If the Patriots keep him, does he get suspended? Because that factors into this too. I like. I I feel like there's no way he plays 17 games yeah. this year. Now, whether he plays no games because he gets cut, or he plays like 10 and he gets suspended for the first two months and whatever, I kind of keep going back and forth on that. What I hear the lawyers saying and reports and this and that, and I think that's kind of the point. Nobody knows at this point, but it does feel like to to some extent they are going to have to play some snaps without him this year one way or the other yeah i still think they'll be very good it's just unfortunate like we hit on earlier you felt like you were upgrading two positions back there with christian gonzalez and now you probably have to move jonathan jones back to where he was in a role like last year so now you really only have that one upgrade with with gonzalez but with the talent they still have at safeties and their pass rush should probably be better up front uh, they should still be a very good unit, I would say. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, how are we doing? How are we doing, Brian? We're doing good. Yeah, we had a. I would agree. Ricky Fowler ruined a good weekend. But... That was tough. <laughs> Wyndham Clark ruined the weekend because you had Ricky Fowler would have been an awesome story. Rory, Rory would have been an awesome story. Yeah. I mean, Scotty Scheffler is the world number one. That's at least kind of cool. And instead, we got a walking hotel chain. <laughs> Winning. By the way, that course sucked. That course sucked. West Coast major golf sucks. <laughs> Bring it back to the East Coast, which they're doing. It's at Pinehurst next year, right? I believe. Uh, yeah. yeah Pinehurst so. number two. Bring it back to the East Coast. Bring it back to an actually difficult golf course. 81-yard par three. Get the hell out of here with that. <laughs> But uh, besides that, it was a good weekend. It was a very golf-heavy weekend, I think, for both of us. A lot of golf, yep. Yeah, I got the short game going. Really? I, short game going. I can't get out of the box. I can't get out of the box right now, but, you know, I get I get on the fairway, you know, with that second shot, and then I'm, I'm getting a hole pretty good, and, you know, putting's putting. But we'll yeah, get it there. We'll get it there I, by the end of the summer. I just can't hit my driver. That's the... I started, I honestly, at this point, unless it's like a long, straight par five, right? I'm just hitting the three-wood. 
Yeah. I'm just hitting the three wood because I know I'm going to get it in the fairway and I'm going to have a much easier second shot. And I'm just taking that at this point. Yeah. Well, that's probably what I should start doing. <laughs> you know, you, but it's, it's tough because everybody, you're in the T box and everybody has their drivers and you're holding their three wood. And it's you like, just oh. want to crush one and then. <laughs> right. I know. So that's why I got to. Got to get to the range, but that's enough of that. I'm sure people care so much about our golf games. This is what I get. This is what you all get from me having to hear, not you, the listeners, like you, the general population. I have to hear about your fantasy football team, which I promise you I do not care about. You have to hear about my golf game, which I know you do not care about. Uh, are we going to see Miles Bryant on the field this year? Yeah. Yes. yeah. I, look, you were going to one way or the other. I think now there's probably more of a role, obviously, with Jack Jones out. The real difference to me is... We and I, I've said this before. I think he's a safety. I think he's actually not a bad, you know, rotational level player at safety. We were seeing him a lot more at safety, a lot less at corner in the spring. This opens the door for him to play more corner, which is not a spot I want to see him in. So that's where I'm at with that. I actually don't mind seeing him on the field a little bit in the right situations. It's safety, but now I think you'll see him more in at corner. They obviously like him. They've kept him around for what three or four years now, but. They just got to keep him out of those foot races, right? Like the Isaiah McKenzie, because that's that's not his game. He's he's a smart player, but he just doesn't have the physical capabilities some of the times to, you know, man coverage at, at corner. And he like he gets so much hate. Like he plays one of the toughest positions, the slot corner. But they obviously like him, so you you will see Miles Bryant on the field. Yeah. Uh, any, what is this? Any possible high contributors left in free agency at the cornerback position? I don't know about high contributors. It's Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters is, is a rotational player. I think at this point in his career, that's what you're looking at. We, we talked about this earlier in the show. We don't need to do all this again. I think Terrence Mitchell, did you have a, a name in mind specifically that you'd like to see them sign or Terrence Mitchell would make sense as I think like the biggest names besides Peters is like Eli Apple, still a free agent, and Ronald Darby. Eli, I think. Eli Apple's not playing here. Uh, yeah. Ronald Darby's coming off a torn ACL. Yeah, so there's so there's not that. much not much out there, but uh, a Perfect. veteran camp body like Mitchell would make sense. There were two guys I was looking at. It was Ronald Darby and uh, uh, what is it, Roby? What why can't I think of his first name? Bradley, Bradley Roby. Uh, one of them is coming off a torn ACL. The other one just signed. And I can't remember which is which, but I'm obviously I'm out on the guy that's under contract, but I'm also out <laughs> on the guy that's coming back immediately from the torn ACL. Peters is two years removed now from his guys this is from uh cans cans guys. Please talk about the awful O-line situation. We have again, why do you think BB didn't address the tackle position at all in the draft or with legitimate option free agency? I think that they really trust Adrian Clem yeah. for better or worse. I think that's why I don't, I I've taught, I've said my piece on the docker position. If anything's going to undo this offense, it's that I truly believe that. I, I, I don't know that they, you know, Trent Brown's one NFL tackle. If he's healthy behind him, it's, you, you know, you're really starting to reach. You're really starting to reach. So I don't feel great about it. We'll see what happens. I'm still hoping that at a certain point, they just kick Mike Onweno out to right tackle. Cause I'll say for, for the talk of the O-line situation, the interior is pretty good. Like the interior, you can't really complain about that. Cole Strange, David Andrews, assuming Cole Strange takes the second year leap that most second year players take, Strange, Andrews, and uh, uh, Onwen, who's a good group. It's the tackles that are the problem. And I think they trusted Adrian Clem. I think they believed between these 
kind of journeyman tackles they have. They can scrape together 17 games. I don't know that they're going to be right, but I do think that's their belief. It, it really comes down to Trent Brown, I think. Like, if I don't even know if you want to say we, we count on, what, 15 games from Trent Brown, but if he's at least there on the left side, they could be able to figure it out on the right side, but that it's their biggest issue right now. And it does seem like the one thing that could really derail the, the offense for sure. Look, I've stopped short of saying it's an issue that will handcuff them. I've stopped short of saying it's an issue that definitively they can't overcome. If they lose Trent Brown, I don't think it's going to be something the offense can overcome. I don't think it's going to be something Matt Jones can overcome. I think it could be a very, very, very ugly year. Mm -hmm. Not to say that that won't happen with Trent Brown, but he's kind of the one guy right now that I'm like, all right, if you can get him through 17 games and he can be the guy he's been, you might be able to piece it together at right tackle. You might be able to do it. If suddenly you have two tackle spots you have to fill, I'm out. I'm out. It's just not going to work. Nope. It's not going to work. Agreed. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, what else do we got? People mad about the golf talk. <laughs> Too bad. Um, somebody keeps sending me a business school presentation I was in. You got to send me the link for the, the, the read only, or you got to give me permission to it. You keep sending it to me. I'll look at it, but it's a Google Doc, so you got to give me permission to access it. That's the problem. There's like a box you can check when you send the link for like a view only link. Uh, what else do we got? How'd Sean Wade look in camp? He's a great <laughs> slot corner in college, so they put him on the boundary. I didn't notice yeah. him, and that's not good for a guy. Normally, when I say, you know, normally when I talk about corners and I say, oh, I didn't notice him, that's a good thing. Not in Sean Wade's case. I wonder why the safety experiment hasn't happened there, unless they just think that would be a disaster too, but. He's he's a little slow to react, yeah. and that that generally, I mean, that's something they want in safeties. They want quick trigger. That's a big them. Could we see a Brissett like a trade like Brissett Dorset for another cornerback uh, on cutdown day? I don't know who the Jacoby Brissett is in this case, unless they, they sign Hopkins. It's one of the receivers, probably. Actually, yeah. All right. So if they sign Hopkins, it's Parker. I was going to say if they really like Antonio Moffy, maybe it's Michael Winu in a contract <clears throat> here. I just don't – there's kind of a shortage of corners in the league right now. I don't know how many teams are trading corners, especially in a player-for-player player swap. So we'll see what happens. I wouldn't rule it out. Maybe a tackle. But I, I, there's a there's tackle no obvious – and, yeah, that's the other thing. If they're going to do that, I'd rather they trade for a tackle. Yeah. I think, like, um, who's the – Jonah Williams, right? Like, that could be a guy who comes available on Cincinnati. So, But they don't – they wouldn't need a receiver, but – I also don't think they're going to trade him because their their stakes are so high. They need, yeah, they need. They need a good backup tackle. I don't think you can trade for a tackle in the yeah. NFL right now. If the Patriots weren't going to trade Isaiah Wynn last year, and this was talked about, like we just assume, and this is getting into like football philosophy. This is going to be on the Patriots. We just assume that there's 32 or 64, whatever the number is. Sometimes there's multiple players on the field at a position. We just assume that there's 32 or 64 good players out of position in the NFL every year. And that's not always the case. And you go through windows where there are surpluses at certain positions, and you go through windows where there are shortages at certain positions. And you see this happen all the time. We are in a tackle shortage right now. We are also in a quarterback shortage right now. 10 years ago, we actually had a quarterback surplus. And you see this happen at other positions. We're in kind of a corner shortage right now a little bit. 
I think we're kind of in a linebacker surplus. We're definitely in a tight end surplus in the league with, you know, the Patriots getting Mike Kosicki for $9 million and, and um, uh, what's his name going from the cat Dalton Schultz going from the Cowboys to Texas for the same contract. So we could probably maybe do this as a show. Once we get into the real dead season of what positions are surpluses and what positions are shortages in the NFL right now, I don't know if you have any strong thoughts on that, Brian, but tackle feels like a shortage. And if that's the case, you're not going to see those guys moved. It'd be like if there was to be a move, it would be like you're getting Justin Haran for a pick, like a late pick slop, which is what they sent out to Vegas last year. Like, which by the way ended up burning them. Yeah, they which they they could have used him at the at the end there. Um, let's see anything else in here. What else do we got? Uh. A lot of people talking about the tackle situation. Mm. Kayshawn Booty. Let's see here. I didn't get to that one yet. If Cole Strange gets pulled again, what are the odds they put Lumpkin in his place <laughs> with all those? Oh, and then about the spaghetti. Um, Johnny Lumpkin is not a guard. He's not a tackle. He's just a big tight end. He's not that that big. Uh, this guy says, before the draft, I said... All picks should be, both picks should be tackles. Remember, my thing was sign one, draft one. I wanted them to sign one of the top free agents and use a top 100 pick on a tackle. That's where I was at. I still think they could have done it. Uh, you probably don't have Keon White or Marte Mapu, most likely Keon White at this point. We kind of did this last week. You're certainly not discussing Hopkins, right? That money's been spent. But I'd rather they have the tackle position set than add Hopkins. I've said this before. I, the wide receiver group isn't bad. I would love it if it was better. But it's not bad. Where did you see the uh right here? If you just click it, it'll pull up. I'm click it's not I'm clicking. <laughs> All right, I'll try to find it. In the meantime, here's this one. I and by the way, I'm in no on both these guys. I think they're redundant at this point. But if you could, would you rather trade for Buddha Baker or Devin White? And I think Devin White spells his name with an I, I'm pretty sure. Probably I like Buddha Baker more as a player, but yeah, I don't think they really need either of them. You're basically like, these are the two roles Marte Mapu's going to yeah. play. If you do this, you're burying Marte Mapu. And maybe these guys are more proven and better, and mm -hmm. I get that, but don't bury the kid. You got to let him learn. Like, that's the thing. It might not, it's a little scary sometimes playing a rookie, but that's just how they get better. And you've seen this where they've drafted guys high, they haven't played, and they end up as busts. That's not always just because the guy they drafted is a bust. That's because the guy's in his third year and has never seen a live NFL rep and is going to look lost. He, he look, there's a reason these guys look like rookies when they play for the first time in their third year because they don't have the experience a third-year player has. I don't want them burying Marte Mapu and in, in probably giving up a decent draft pick to do so. So, no, I'm out on both of these. But I'm with you. I'd rather Buda Baker. Yeah. I think he's a better player. How would we feel on Butte yeah. if he's having a bad training camp and won't make it past waivers? Uh, if he's having a bad training camp, he's going to make it past waivers. I I would take the shot at cutting him if he's that bad. And it, it, I also don't think it's going to happen because he's clearly banged up. Yeah. They'll IR him, right? I, it's an interesting question, but they'll avoid this situation one way or another. I, yeah, I, I hope they don't lose him because I, I really like his potential but yeah he's he's clearly hurt still from that ankle so or ankle you know. yeah so i'm guessing so, Foxborough flew for that i'm guessing that this is what i said before about you know you could have drafted the tackle and you don't have keon white or or marte mapu or christian gonzalez 
The guy says it's all about Mac Jones's improvement, white and gonzo are luxuries. Yes, but it is all about Mac Jones development. And I do wish they'd address that more in the draft of the tackle. Christian Gonzalez isn't really a luxury, especially not now. <laughs> Could you imagine where they'd be at if they didn't draft Christian Gonzalez? They have they'd have no boundary corners. It's Jalen Mills and Jonathan Jones. And then we're starting to talk about Sean Wade realistically making this team <laughs> or Sean Wade, Amir Speed, and Isaiah Bolden competing for the third corner spot. So bringing back Terrence. Obviously, Mitchell. they didn't know what the, maybe Terrence <laughs> Mitchell, right? They obviously didn't know at the time Jack Jones was going to do this. But boy, does that Christian Gonzalez pick look even better in hindsight than it did on draft night? I I, I agree with the ultimate point that the commenters making that they probably could have done more for Mac Jones in the draft, especially at the tackle position. But second or third round would have been fine. Second or third round would have been perfectly fine. They uh, they needed Christian Gonzalez then. And they need him even more now. So I, I don't mind that. Uh, this, is a, this is an interesting one. Did the Patriots miss out on Jeff Okuda? That's not uh, pulled up the wrong one. Did the Patriots miss out on Jeff Okuda? I think he went for, what, a fifth-round pick? Um, Yeah, it was a late. Let me see if I pull it up. But he went for, yeah, fifth-round fifth pick. pick. I, I would have done it. I like Jeff Okuda. I still think he can play. I think he was in... This is another one where I don't think he got great coaching off the jump, and I think it continued to hinder him, and I think a change of scenery could be good for him. I don't know that he'll ever justify the third overall pick status, but he was solid last year. I think he'd be a solid number two corner. He's definitely a boundary guy. He has size at 6'1", 205. I would have done that deal, and he's affordable. He's still on his rookie contract. I think 2021, 22. No, so he's playing this year on the last concrete year of the deal and then the, the rookie option next year although I think the Falcons declined it, but I would have been in on that. That actually would have made a lot of sense for the Patriots, and had they done that, football-wise, this Jack Jones thing is not nearly as big of a deal. It's just, all right, Jeff Okuda is going to play the other spot on the boundary, and you go from there. I was surprised they. that just seems like such a move they would do, like go get that former first-round pick that they would never have a shot at drafting. And he did Patricia draft him? Patricia drafted him. So, I'm going to guess Evan Rothstein played a role yeah. in that as well. So, I also think he was one of the guys that didn't get along with Patricia. Yeah. So maybe if there was something there behind the scenes, but um, yeah, that, yeah, I thought that would have been a move that they, they would make, but guess not. All right. I, I think that, uh, that pretty much wraps <clears throat> it up here. I'm good. All right. Yeah. So unless you had anything else you wanted to get in. No, I think, I think that pretty much hit it. For as much as we can on an off-season show. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, they're not giving us much of an off-season. <laughs> they always keep us busy. But um, all right. So we'll be back at some point this week. So turn on your Patriots press pass notifications to know when we go live. But until then, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Read all his work at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines and read all my stuff on pathpulpit.com. And we will see you guys next time.